0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. And this week begins a four-part series focusing on spiritual practices and formation. This week on Instagram, I asked you to share the first thing that pops in your mind when you hear spiritual practices. Some of your responses included praying, Bible reading, Sabbath, solitude, meditation, quiet, Things to help you slow down and mentally focus on your faith. But there were two responses that really stood out to me. The first one, I need time. The second one, for a disciplined person and how much I fail at those. Today's guest, Sharon Garlow Brown, speaks tenderly and gracefully to those responses while reminding us that we often have spiritual practices in place that we don't realize for the very reason of they've become habits, good, healthy habits. This conversation is one you will want to save because it's like your own personal spiritual direction session. I was first introduced to Sharon through her book, Sensible Shoes, which is book one of a four-part series which shares the journey of four strangers as they embark together on a journey of spiritual formation. I'm giving away one set of the Sensible Shoes series and an accompanying journal. You can enter the giveaway at graceenoughpodcast.com slash sensible shoes through Monday, November 22nd, 2022. Now join me for this life-giving conversation with Sharon Garlow-Brown. Good afternoon, Sharon, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast.
0: Thank you, Amber. It's a
1: gift and a
0: privilege to be with you and your listeners today.
1: Yeah, well, I had shared with you earlier that your writing um, and your podcast are both things that i enjoy and we're going to talk about those a little bit today but as we jump in i'd love to have my guests introduce themselves tell everybody a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis and tell us a little about your family
0: thanks amber i am currently in the you know this kind of covid season pandemic things changed pretty radically for Mm -hmm. us back in 2020 Um, Up until then, I was doing a lot of traveling and retreat facilitating and speaking at events. I get to do that online from the comfort of my own chair now, and there is some benefit to that. I'm not Mm -hmm. complaining about (laughs) not having to navigate airports. Um, So that's been a joy to be able to connect um, with people around the world for retreat. Mm -hmm. I also am a writer, as you said, and I'm an author with InterVarsity Press. I write spiritual formation novels. And have just completed writing book number seven. And this one is a particular joy to me because I got to co-write it with our son, David, who Oh,
1: wonderful. Pandemic
0: shifted some things for him. He ended up being home with us and we were able to write a book together. So that was a real joy. That one releases in April.
1: Oh, so exciting. Yeah.
0: My husband, Jack, and I were in pastoral ministry for many years together. I retired from that in 2016 to say yes to more writing, speaking, and I also serve as a spiritual director.
1: Well, and so is David your only child? He is
0: our one and only. He was born in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, when we so we were fun. serving a church over there, yeah,
1: years ago. And now how old is he? 25. Ah, oh, so yes. that, that's another blessing, as I've heard from some parents, is having their older kids back home for a season that yes. just was unexpected, and you know, you think you want that emptiness life so badly, but then you also miss them when they're gone. So, Oh, it's been such a gift. I would, I'm
0: not a word of complaint
1: from that's awesome. such a gift. Yeah. I love it. Now is he, does he live near you, um, on in the regular life? Uh, shall I say, <laughs> I don't even he, know how to, how to talk I about pre post pandemic anymore. Right.
0: Pre pandemic. Yes. About uh, 20 minutes away.
1: Awesome. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines. And like you said, you're a spiritual director and retreat leader and so many other things. And so what I have heard more often than not, is Christians just don't really have a great understanding of spiritual disciplines. They And if they do know something about it, maybe they don't place a high value Mm -hmm. on practicing um, said disciplines. And so what are spiritual disciplines, first of all, and, you know, how do they impact our daily walk with Christ? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And I think, Amber, often when we hear the phrase
0: spiritual discipline, um, there's some guilt or duty or obligation attached to it. Oh, those are the things I should be doing if I'm really faithful. It also can conjure imagery of legalism or yoke or drudgery. Mm. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to recast spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices or rhythms, however you want to refer to them as ways to be awake and attentive to the presence of God. These are ways to practice receiving the love of God, resting in the love of God, and then responding to the love of God. And we often get that rhythm backwards in our life with Christ. We start with the doing, the faithful responding, Mm -hmm. and don't spend nearly the time that God invites us to spend practicing receiving this Mm -hmm. unconditional, steadfast, personal love for us. And so spiritual practices can enlarge our capacity to say yes to the love, which loved us
1: first. Mm. I love that description. Well, talk to me a little bit about spiritual practices. Are they expressed in the language of the Bible? Um, Mm. You know, are they biblical concepts? I, like you said, I think sometimes we hear discipline and that's probably a lot of why we hear more practices and rhythms now, but how are they expressed in God's word? Well, I think we can start
0: by looking at the life of Jesus and what did he practice in his life with the father. So we see him praying. We see him retreating Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: pray. We see him practicing silence and solitude we see him practicing community worship we see him reading the word meditating on the word Mm. we hear him lament we watch him celebrate we see him serve and sacrifice and submit All of these are spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits. One of my favorite stories where we see this played out in his life comes out of Mark 1. And he has finished a very full day of ministry where the crowds are pressing to hear him teach and to be healed. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He's casting out demons. And then Mark tells us that the very next morning he rose while it was still dark and retreated to a wilderness place, literally a desert place. And there he prayed. Mm. And then the disciples realize Jesus isn't where they left him, which he has a habit of doing that, right? <laughs> but, you know, they wake and Jesus isn't there and they track him down in the wilderness. So we, we kind of it, It's kind of humorous to think about, you know, they don't have a GPS, they don't have phones, they don't have flashlights, but they track him down in this mm-hmm. desolate place. And what they say to him, Amber, is everyone's looking for you. And I hear this as a temptation listen, Jesus, you're a rock star, you've impressed everybody, you're necessary, people need you, you're popular, come back and be relevant and significant. And we've attached ourselves to you. And this is great for us too. And Jesus is able because he has retreated to listen to the father, and because he will only say and do what the father asks him to do. Mm. And because he has spent time in that practice of silence and solitude, he's able to respond with discernment, also a spiritual practice that says, this is not what I'm called to do. I'm called to go onward. And this is the practice again of disciplines Mm. that when we retreat, when we practice unplugging, and those are fasting disciplines. that's a spiritual discipline. So I'm fasting from the noise. I'm fasting from the crowd. I'm saying yes to being with God and listening to God. Then I am set free to respond to the potential hook to my ego. Oh, you're relevant. You're important. Everybody needs you. Won't you come and be significant? And having spent time with God, we're free then to say, that's not what the father has asked me to do
1: Mm.
0: without fear of hurting people's feelings or disappointing. And that's why spiritual disciplines are so crucial because they free us up to say yes to what God has asked us to do. Mm. And I know I have struggled, um, and I suspect some of your listeners have, with the addictions, the socially acceptable addictions to achievement, to busyness, to people's opinions, to not wanting to disappoint, to wanting to impress, right? Those are all temptations in our lives. But the model of Jesus is he knows how to retreat in order to engage. Mm. And it's all done from a posture of freedom. I love that about him.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's something as I think about even the culture that Christ lived in, which, you know, maybe not this eight to five job that so many people, you know, that's something that doesn't change for them. Yeah. And so when I hear people say things like, well, I'm not a very disciplined person. Yeah. How do you engage? with that comment, and then really encourage people to get started with these practices on a daily basis when they have certain responsibilities that don't shift and change.
0: Absolutely. So what we want to encourage is a way of practicing being awake to the presence of God throughout the ordinary details of an ordinary day so that it's not just, oh, I have to add this into my schedule. Mm -hmm. But rather, I'm integrating my thoughts of God and my awareness of God. So it could be as simple as while I am making my child's lunch, I'm taking a moment to think about how God has provided my daily bread, Mm
1: -hmm. and I'm
0: offering a prayer for others to receive their daily bread. When I am, I had a, a, a directee working with spiritual direction, she was an emergency room, intensive care nurse,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that beeper was going off all the time. And I invited her just to say, could that be a call to prayer? That when you hear that beeper, instead of kicking into high gear of who needs me and what's the emergency, Could that be the reminder simply to open your hands and say, Lord, I'm here and I need you. Mm. So it could be something very simple throughout the day that simply prompts our remembering that God is with us and for us. And as we string those attentive moments together, we discover we're living attentive days and weeks and months. And it really does impact um, the way that we live.
1: You know, I'm thinking about even in a role like someone like myself, who is a mom of young children still, yes. uh, particularly a mom who is at home, you know, with kids five and under and yes. they are just barely staying alive. I mean, yes. literally barely staying yep. alive. I hear you. You know, what do you speak to those women, those little moments when they are so exhausted yes. to really practice spiritual connection with christ Mm -hmm.
0: amber it can be simple as simple as a as a breath prayer Mm -hmm. where we match with an inhale and an exhale our need or our longing for god we can match that with scripture where we inhale be still and know we exhale that I am God that Psalm 46, 10, it could be an inhale, Lord, exhale, help, like they don't have to be long prayers. But that's one way to do it. I also love praying with open hands where we can with open hands, we both release to God and receive from God. And so in those moments of stress, when we're feeling completely overwhelmed, we can feel let the clench in our body be the reminder, oh, I am I need you, Lord. And just open our hands. And that's, Mm. that's prayer. We don't need many. God doesn't need our words. He does love our attention, even if it's just for a moment.
1: Mm. That's really powerful. It really is. Well, and then if someone who is listening is at that place where they really do want to develop a spiritual practice that is a little more intense, not Mm -hmm. maybe intense is not the right word. Um, But intentional. intentional. There you go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And is something that daily they are doing. Where is a good place to get started? I always tell people to
0: start by pondering how God has uniquely created them. Hmm. So introverts are going to gravitate toward practices of silence and solitude. That's going to feel life-giving to them. Whereas an extrovert, that's going to feel like to try, right? Hey, Amen. Extroverts, friend. right? <laughs> Extroverts are going to gravitate toward community and connection in the, the corporate disciplines. Some people, Amber, are brought to life when they're walking, when they're moving, when they're jogging. And that's no, we don't, what we want to do is get rid of any kind of holiness hierarchy. That the spiritual practices that are most important are the ones where I'm rising at 4 a.m. to sit in the dark to be with God. Mm hmm. If God has my attention when I am on the move, or if God quickens me and awakens me when I am surrounded by beauty or nature or art, or if it's music that brings me to life, then friend, spend more time with those things. Start there because that's mm. how God has uniquely wired you to be with him, where he brings you to life, right? So we practice there. That. Then we can say, all right, Lord, I'll say yes to you stretching and enlarging me. I'll say yes to trying to practice generosity Mm -hmm. or trying to practice slowing down to really pray with scripture or practicing for an introvert saying yes to community. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we can, we can start where we are. And then ask the Lord to lead us forward, not into many things, because then we'll just get discouraged and, and give up. But I think if we really, if we even began to think about what we already do, that calls our attention to God, if you're practiced in saying a blessing before a meal, that's a spiritual discipline that Mm -hmm. you may have been doing for so long. You're thinking that doesn't even count. No, it's a moment where you're saying, Lord, I'm here and I'm giving you my attention and I'm thanking you for your gifts. Mm. Another one that I just, I love to recommend, especially with um, people with young kids is a prayer that comes out of the 16th century. It's called the prayer of either examen or examine. It's Mm -hmm. E-X-A-M-E-N. Essentially, Amber, what that is, is what many families already do together at the end of a day or around a meal meal or in a car well, they'll say highs and lows. What's the best thing that happened That's to you right. today? What's the hardest thing that happened to you today? And with the examine at the most basic level, we bring that into conversation with God. Lord, these are the moments today where I felt alive, where I was aware of your presence, where you enabled me to be faithful. And I was filled with joy and I loved well, and I want to give you thanks for those because those are good, good things to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And Lord, these were the places today that were really hard for me, that broke my heart. Or these were the places today where it was really hard to see how you were with me and for me. Mm -hmm. Or these were the places today where I turned aside and I went into myself and I didn't love well. Or I was overcome with fear or despair. And I just, I want to have a conversation with you about those things, Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's, um I could say much more about that prayer, but that's the heart of it. And families can do that together.
1: Kids intuitively know how to do this. I love that you put that in the perspective, like, because we do that around our table. Do you? Yeah. We do. Yeah. Um, high, low, what you're thankful for. And then they yeah. also will do do you have a question for anyone at the table? But I love that. I've never taken that practice and really thought about how it's like the prayer. I can't say it correctly either. Examine, examine, examine. Yeah. 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 Because I've also listened to um, different podcasts and sermons about that and tried to start doing that when I lay down to sleep at night. And so I love how similar that is and how you can work different aspects into it. And Help your kids to see that this is a time of connection with God, not just sharing your high and low of it. yes
0: as wonderful as that is as a right. family it just it brings it to another layer of where God is part of our family. our That's family right. is part of God's heart. Let's bring God into the conversation here.
1: Oh I love 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 that. Well like you said earlier, uh, really spiritual practices they're not a to-do list they're not a yoke uh, and we are so tempted to just make everything a to-do list, right? We are I think maybe I mean, we want the control of crossing something off. Yes. And then we get and then somehow we get mad at God that he's the one who gave us the to-do list right? and I'm like, yeah. "Wait, we've done that to ourselves." Yes. But, you know, how do you direct people away from that temptation to make these practices into a, you know, a checklist and toward an opportunity to really commune with God? On really a moment by moment basis.
0: I think we begin by confessing that it's a temptation and bringing Mm. God into that conversation. Lord, I can read the scripture because I think it's what I'm supposed to do, or I'm reading it for information or how to use it. Mm. Rather than reading it for transformation and for encounter. And I see that temptation in myself, Lord, and I'm bringing that to you. And I'm asking for you to help me engage it in a different way. And part of that will take community import Mm to write conversation in terms of how we're um, input in terms of how we're approaching the word. I have a character who she loves her to-do list. She loves to check her box with God because she feels good about herself when she's Doing that and right. the spiritual practices really um, disorient her as she begins to see that she's been using them kind of
1: to avoid God. Hmm. Whoo. Yeah. Battle space. Ouch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is that one of the sensible shoes series
0: characters? It is my youngest one, Carissa.
1: Okay. Yes. I'm like, wait a minute. Which one is that? <laughs> in my brain. See, all yes. of you would really enjoy, um, the sensible shoes series, which, you know, we'll shout out some of the books towards the end, but that is, you know, particularly a series that has helped me a lot mm. with spiritual practices and just seeing myself in some of those characters, which, um, I think every author probably loves to hear, you know, that's yes. why you write those characters. And so thank you for those, but, oh. I want to talk about a practice that you actually share in a podcast on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a practice that I didn't know much about a couple of years ago, maybe even, no, it was pre-pandemic that Mm -hmm. really just Pete Scazzaro and some other people kind of brought it to my attention and my husband has been engaging, but it's Lectio Divina. Divina, did I say it correctly? You did. Yes. And so tell everybody What is Lectio Divina?
0: Yeah. Well, to start with, let's just name that people can be freaked out because it it sounds like it's a weird title, right? It's Latin. It's Latin. (laughs) It literally means Lectio is or Lectio, you can do it both ways, literally means reading and divina is sacred. So it is it is a way of slowly and prayerfully meditating on scripture.
1: Mm.
0: The Hebrew word for meditation. If we were writing it in English, it's haga h a g a h. It literally means muttering or mumbling. It's also the word the psalmists use to describe a lion growling over prey or a dove cooing. Wow. So in that tradition, isn't that cool? In that, that tradition. Is we mutter the word, we mumble the word because there's something that happens. Remember that this is an oral culture, obviously, so they are muttering the word, they're Mm -hmm. rehearsing the word audibly. And there's something that happens to us when the word goes on the page that we can get into the autopilot posture of skimming for the main idea, Mm. reading quickly, rather than letting the word read us. So simply the, the practice of slowing down to say, I'm going to read a short passage of scripture aloud several times. And as I do that, Lord, would you bring a word from your word or a phrase from your word to life? Something that shimmers or comes into bold print. It might comfort me. It might agitate me. It might challenge me. But when I hear that word or phrase, Lord, I want to chew on that and ponder how you're connecting that word or phrase from scripture with my life. What are your invitations to me in this word? What are the connections you're making? What conversation are you bringing forth from me to have with your word? Mm. And that way of reading is receptive rather than me taking control over a text. It sets me humbly beneath the word of God saying, Lord, your word is alive. It's it's living, it's active, it's sharper than that two-edged sword. It's able to divide the spirit from the soul, the, the, the bone from the marrow. Lord, I'm saying yes to your living word reading me.
1: Mm.
0: And that's what this way of meditating opens us to. It's, it's a totally different, it's not Bible study. It's praying the word.
1: Mm.
0: And it's different than reading The Bible in a year. That's an overall narrative, quick, you know, lots of scripture to take in. This is just maybe five or six verses. If I were doing Lectio with Psalm 23, which is only six verses, I might only pray with verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, because there's so much there that could stir me to prayer. I might only do that And um, so it is, it's a slow and prayerful saying
1: yes to Lord, read me through your word. And so if someone says, okay, I want to wake up tomorrow morning and I want to begin doing this. Yeah. I mean, you kind of describe that you read it multiple times, but what Mm -hmm. does that practice look like for you? Yeah.
0: Well, we're, we're doing it, um, as you mentioned daily on a yes. podcast, right? So if someone says, I want to start abiding and then you hit the menu button for daily Lectio Divina, and I will read the scripture four times with silence in between and guide you through all the prayer prompts with it. So you don't need to know the dance steps in order to do it. I will guide you through it. And it's typically anywhere from 13 to 16 minutes, depending mm-hmm. on how long the text is. The way that this has impacted me personally is I will also pray with those texts. I was someone who, and this is an occupational hazard for those in ministry. I often got into the bad habit of reading God's word in order to teach God's word rather than reading God's word in order to be formed by God's word, right? To be formed by the spirit. So Lexio for me, when I first was introduced to it and when it actually landed with me, it changed the way that i it changed my whole posture
1: mm.
0: about reading god's word now after that time of prayer amber i often will then seamlessly go into a time of study because the word or phrase that that caught my attention i might say okay now i want to dig at whether it's hebrew old testament greek new testament what is that word why did why i wonder what's behind that word what's the meaning of the original where else might it be used so i could then spin off with my journal in terms of what did the Lord bring to life as I prayed and what other connections is he making as Mm. I actually do some digging, some, some more study of that word or phrase.
1: When I think about practices like this one, um, silence and solitude, Mm. you know, the various prayers, you know, one, a few that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I know from personal experience and from speaking to other people. That we, we want this quote unquote feeling Mm. immediately of like closeness to God. Like, well, I didn't feel him or I'm not doing that. So what would you say to people who feel that way and want to just give up or abandon the practice instead of, you know, giving yourself a little bit of time? That's such a great question. And again, it's the awareness
0: of that's my temptation. If I'm not being energized by the feelings of God, then Mm. I'm tempted to, to persevere and, and the gift, the grace of God, Um, there are seasons in our lives where he will remove the felt sense of his presence because we've become addicted to it. We define whether we're faithful Mm. by whether or not we felt God. Right. And so he will shut that down. He will prune that from us so that we are dependent on God rather than the gifts of God or the felt sense of God. And so that also is a possibility, um, And, and it's good to have someone who's alongside us, encouraging us Mm. in these practices, whether it's a a friend or a spiritual director or a pastor or a teacher, but someone who's alongside to help
1: us notice and name those temptations. Oh, you're ministering to me right now.
0: (laughs) Are we in this together?
1: (laughs) That's right. We are definitely in this together. Well, and I know. I mean, I really can share from personal experience. And then just as many conversations that I have, um, when I see the resistance sometimes for, you know, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that that resistance to even try something new, I know where that's coming from. Yes. Maybe not on every single point, but I know it because I have felt the resistance myself. And so that's a really really excellent way, um, you know, of describing it as really, it's a temptation mm-hmm. and we can really press in and persevere with Christ. And so as we begin to close out here, um, well, for, first of all, I want to just ask you, you've written several different series, the book that's getting ready to come out with your son. Am I correct in saying that it's the third part of a series? It is, yes. And what is that series called and kind of what's the focus of it? So this is the Shades of
0: Light series, and it takes place nine years after the Sensible Shoes series in the same town. So the Sensible Shoes characters do make cameo appearances for curious readers in terms of where Mm -hmm. they've ended up. But this series, Amber, specifically addresses mental illness and spirituality, spiritual formation. The difference between this series and Sensible Shoes is that in Sensible Shoes, while all the characters are struggling and they all have had loss and they all have had grief, they're experiencing healing and transformation and freedom as they keep company with one another and with, with God. With Shades of Light, the starting place is different. The Shades of Light series asks the question. What happens with someone whose suffering is chronic? There's a mm-hmm. chronic affliction, and the Lord may or may not heal. Right. And so if the Lord does not remove the cup of suffering, how does he how is He present with us as we drink it? Mm-hmm. How does He drink that cup of suffering with us? And so my main character is a twenty seven year old devoted Christian social worker who struggles with anxiety and depression, and it reaches a point where she can't manage her life anymore. And she makes the courageous decision to seek help at a psychiatric hospital. And that's where the story starts. Mm. And so it presents a compassionate look. I wanted those who suffer from depression, panic disorder, anxiety, those mental um, illness afflictions to feel compassionately seen and understood. These are people Uh, My main character has had plenty of people say to her, you know, what's your problem? If you just read more scripture, if you just memorize the word, if you just fixed your mind on Jesus, you should be well, what's wrong with you? So we have a compassionate look at Ren, my main character, but then there's the co-sufferer, her mom, her family Mm -hmm. member, the family members. And many of us find ourselves in this category where we have loved ones who are struggling and we ache to help. And we live in terror that we will say or not say or do or not do something that could cause harm. And so it's a compassionate look at the mom who desperately seeks Jesus on behalf of her daughter. And there appears to be silence from heaven. How is Jesus with her? Mm. So that's the first book in the series shades of light and Amber. It's a hard book. To read, and I recommend just taking it as you can. Those who it's the first book I've ever written where someone has said to me, Sharon, I can't read it because I am Mm Ren and I'm too close to it. But I'm telling everybody I know to read it so they understand what it feels like to be me. Right. So that's the first book. Then the second book in the series is a novella, um, which continues Ren's story, but also examines the life of the retreat leader from the Sensible Shoes series, Catherine Rhodes. This is her story. And how she has been shaped by trauma and loss and grief. And it is, um, it's is—it's a novella, but it's the most densely packed of all my books because it's just Catherine's reflections about her own life framed around scripture, particularly the scripture of Jesus making his way to the cross.
1: Mm. And that also Remember been, is that's that right? Remember Me. That's Remember
0: Me. Yep. And so it has full color art at the back that Ren has done. I found a, a real life artist who was willing to paint as a fictional character. So you get to see Ren's full color art. done by Elizabeth Ivy Hawkins, um, and with scripture meditation. Wow. And then the third book in the series picks up their journeys as they are moving forward through a time of upheaval and change and transition in book world. It's 2018, but many of the themes that emerge are our pandemic themes. Um, and the new one, it's called feathers of hope. And it really is a hopeful book, even as it's messy with regard to interpersonal conflict and how do we love one another well in the midst of conflict and confrontation. Um, And that one releases in April.
1: Wow. Sharon, oh, I can't wait. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, last question here. Why do you think that we as a church as a whole, not everyone, but just as a whole have pushed back so much? on some spiritual disciplines, things from our desert fathers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Why do you think that we have pushed back on some of that? And what do you think personally, like how spiritual disciplines really impacted you? Mm -hmm. Such a great question.
0: I come out of the Protestant evangelical tradition And these were not part of um, what I learned, right? It wasn't what I experienced. I had a very narrow view of what, quote unquote, quiet time looked like or what worship was. And so when I first began to learn some of these practices and I learned them, was first introduced to them as a pretty young Christian, actually by Richard Foster, but they didn't land with me Amber, because I was such a perfectionist and I still had so much ego attached to what I achieved Mm -hmm. in the kingdom that it did land in that to do category. Well, I should be doing more in order to be more faithful. I wasn't fully Mm -hmm. converted to grace and I wasn't at rest in the love of God. So they weren't necessarily helpful for me at 22, 23, 24. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until um, I was in my thirties that they came around again. And I realized that these were ways of prayer, ways of, and I, I use prayer very broadly um, as a posture, our life toward God is Mm -hmm. our prayer. And they were ways of being with God that are part of our heritage, our historical heritage Mm -hmm. as Christians going back into the early centuries of the church. And I've been delighted that um, in the past 10, 15, 20 years, more and more of us yeah. from our tradition are being are, it's like this: there's this whole Awakening. way of breathing, right? That we didn't know was available to us. And so it it's it's wonderful. Even as I affirm one of my characters, Carissa has an orthodoxy detector, and she's not sure any of these practices land in her orthodoxy box. And so I want to affirm the discomfort of that while also affirming what Paul um, says to us in 1 Corinthians and also in Romans about our Christian freedom, that we are able to say, you know, he was navigating the, the conflict between, are you allowed to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, right? And he's saying, yes. But not if it causes your brother or sister to stumble, right? It's all mm-hmm. about love. So, some of these practices that come out of the early church, and you know, Christians are notorious for taking pagan things and reinterpreting them for Jesus. So, Christmas, right, was a pagan <laughs> festival that we said, nope, it's Jesus, <laughs> it's now Jesus. The cross, symbol of Roman execution. Nope. It's now our symbol of faith. So taking like someone um, might say, well, the labyrinth, yep. The labyrinth has a pre-Christian heritage and early Christians said, oh, it's ours. It's a symbol of pilgrimage for Mm. us. And so we've found them back to the fourth century. We don't know how they used them because they didn't write it down for us. So Mm. we're kind of guessing, but as a metaphor for pilgrimage, for traveling deep into the heart of God, mm-hmm. it works.
1: Yeah. It works. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much. Oh, if someone, so good to be with you. Yeah. If someone wants to connect with you or he, learn about your retreats, yeah. where do they go? I'll give you two websites.
0: Um, our ministry website is Abiding Way. Dot life. And that's where you'll get the daily podcast, or you can sign up on any podcast forum. Right. And then my author website is Sharon That's where you can read about my books and see my retreat schedule. Um, I've got, uh, some online things that I'm doing and some in-person that I'm holding with
1: very open hands as we that's move right. forward into the fall. <laughs> that's right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, how I wish I could hear from each of you about how this conversation has impacted you. Please send me an email at graceenoughpodcast at gmail.com or a direct message on Instagram at graceenoughpodcast underscore Amber. And don't forget to enter to win the Sensible Shoes book set and journal. You can do that at graceenoughpodcast.com slash shoes by Monday, November 22nd, 2021. The winner will be announced on Tuesday, the 23rd. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits Podcast.